0: It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you this morning and to bring you a word uh, from the Lord and answer a question. Um, what we want to do this morning is take a look at a question. Um, you know, when the world ends, the Christians and non-Christians alike go through the same judgment. And we're going to get there. But you ever, you ever, you ever seen the movie uh, or read the book, Huckleberry Finn? Way back, most of you, uh, I know some of you younger guys, the younger guys. Uh, we seen the movie, did it? But Huckleberry Finn, you know, when he, him, 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 and um, uh, Tom Sawyer, they they found his treasure in the cave, you remember? And so when he did, they pushed him all the way, set him off, and um, basically they 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 made him go to uh, the widow Douglas's house, and she tried to civilize him, you know, try to make him, you know, grow, uh, put on clothes and do stuff and make him there. But but uh, her sister was Miss Watson. And she took it upon herself to take Huck and Christianize him. You know, she wanted to make him uh, a respectable person, you know, when she did it. So she began to tell Huck about, you know, heaven and hell and all about uh, everything that goes on. And, and she told him, you know, all you're going to do in heaven is you're going to walk around and sing and to the Lord all day long. And, Hook, you know, he's, he thought the most amazing things to him was she thought she was going to be there for one. And if that's all you're going to do is walk around and sing and, and, and do choir rehearsals and stuff, he said he wasn't really sure he wanted to go anyway. The problem is, you know, uh, Miss Watson probably didn't know as much heaven or hell as she thought she did. So she was trying to proselytize Huck, but she went the wrong way about trying to get into where he needed to be. But the good thing is, fortunately for us, the Bible says there's a lot of pretty neat things going to happen between now and the end times. And so before we get into the question today and talk about what, what, what the question is, I want to take us through a few things that let's let's kind of start with where we're at right now. What's next in the line of of events that's going to happen before actually the very end comes after all the judgments and the very end of the world comes and God creates a new heaven and new earth over Jerusalem. So let's look at a few things that's going to happen in the timeline. We can start to look and see in our lives kind of what, just watching the news, just looking at everything around our lives. We can begin to kind of look and see in this, this, this list of events where we're at. And so... One of, the, one of the first things that's going to happen, the next thing looking at the church is it's the rapture of the church. And so, when Jesus returns um, to take, take us from heaven, those who believe in him, he's going to come and take his church out. That's the next thing. Now, the rapture is, is one of those things, like a lot of the other things that we talk about in history between denominations and different things, it, it can get controversial. And and to me, it's not, it's not like, let's go all controversial. Who's right? You know, who can study the scriptures and who's really right? This denomination, that one, you know, 90%, 95%, all the denominations, we're all on the same page. And to me, it's like I heard a pastor say one time when I was younger, he says, you know, he just believes in panology. Everything's going to pan out just the way God wants and the way he set it up and the way he's going to orchestrate it. So I don't want to talk about these things. We want to get to the question, but I want to give you these events. First, it's going to be the rapture of the church. Second, there's going to be the judgment of believers for rewards for faithful uh, service. The third thing, the revival of some expression of the Roman Empire is uh, through the great... Uh, evil that will come in that time during that time it's going to be a lot of evil that's come the fourth thing is going to be the rise of the Antichrist, fifth thing seven year period which is great tribulation, we know that's divided into three and a half years and three and a half years and that's seven year period so that's going to come uh, during that time they're going to be as seals, trumpets, bowls are going to pour out on the earth and when the tribulation nears its end there's a few events that's going to take place that's going to really kind of like break out and that's going to be a world uh, war focused on Armageddon in Israel. And uh, I haven't been to Armageddon, I mean to Israel, but my dad's been there. He's telling me like sitting there looking out through the Kidron Valley where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. It's a, it's a mile wide and two miles long. And it kind of just looks like a, a pool with no water. And it's kind of the size of just It's banked up and it's just a long valley in the desert. And uh, that battle right there, they say that the, the blood... It's going to be so bloody that the blood is going to be up to the horse's bridles in that valley right there. So that's a lot of, the whole world is going to culminate on Israel. And that battle is going to take place when Jesus gets there. Um, then Then number nine, the resurrection of tribulation of the saints of the Old Testament saints. Okay, And they're going to reign with Christ in his kingdom. And then number 10, the millennial kingdom of Christ, during which we will reign on the earth from the throne, Jesus will in his reign there in Jerusalem. And 11, there going to be a final rebellion after Jesus reigns for a thousand years and there's going to be total peace on the earth. Then there's going to be a, a final rebellion where Satan is loose for a season on this earth because the people for a thousand years that were born, there was, Satan was locked up in hell. So there was never a time that they were even deceived. There was never a time when they were tested. There was never a time when they were uh, tempted into doing sin. Everything was just peaceful like it should be. But after that, a thousand year reigns and we're going to have Satan lose for a season. He's going to deceive many uh, in that time. Number 12, the resurrection and final judgment of the wicked is going to come. And 13, uh, the eternal new heaven and new earth which is over Jerusalem will come. So you can see from these events that there's, there's nothing really boring what God's got set up. There's a lot of exciting things going to happen. Some of them are scary. I mean, if you don't know Jesus Christ, there's going to be some scary times and all of that right there. There will people... Uh, That that, that will think they're going to heaven, but have never really made that decision that what should. So in reality, what we all need to do is be ready today. Because we don't know, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not even promised five minutes from now. All we know is that when the time comes, when Jesus calls in that rapture and calls his church up, eternity is coming at that moment. Or we can take our last breath on this earth and we can lay down. And at that point, we're going we're to we're be ready to meet our maker, or we're not going to be ready. And that's what we kind of want to focus on as we get today. So, when, when will the world end? That is the question. When will the world end? Well, I can tell you what the Bible tells about it. Nobody knows. Jesus told his disciples when they asked him, I don't know. The angels in heaven don't know, but only my Father so in heaven. So the only, people, the only person who actually knows when the end time is going to be here is God himself. He created it. It's kind of like sometimes I hear people talk to their children. And they say, you know, hey, and they're doing something. They say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of this world. You know, that's, you're on my last nerve and you're just about there. That's the way God is. God created this earth and God's going to destroy this earth in his time frame when he's ready. Okay. Scripture is very clear. About that. There's no mistaking. When God's ready. But sometimes when things get quiet, I think sometimes you can actually hear the the horse's hoofs in heaven. I think we're getting to a place where we're getting really, really close. It could be another ten thousand years. I don't know. Too many people try to to think they can go through the scriptures and they have found some magic connotation of of some kind of a, a, a hidden mystery and and they 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 figured out the code and they they can nobody's ever done it and many's tried. But sometimes I just as I'm praying I just in my mind I just gotta think you know it's gotta be getting close and it's almost like you can just hear the horse's hoofs. He's just standing ready. And I can just in my mind I just imagine the angels grooming that horse, that white horse that Jesus is going to get on. And it's kind of like a, a horse that's sitting in the starting gates before a race. You know, they've been fed that high-protein meal, and they're just excited, and they're just they're sitting in the starting blocks, and they're just, they're just they're ready. And I think all of heaven is probably prepared right now for what God's about to do with the church. But my question many times is, are we ready? Are we as ready as, as heaven is? We don't like silence very much, do we? It's kind of unnerving. Okay, let's take a look at some scripture. Matthew twenty four, three through thirteen. We're gonna read that, and then we're gonna to go to chapter twenty-four of Matthew, and read thirty-two through thirty-six, and let's kind of take a look at where God's setting some things up. It says that Jesus was set on the Mount of Olives in verse three, chapter twenty four. As Jesus was set on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately telling uh, tell us, they said, When will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming that I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. Even the elect, Scripture tells us, will be deceived in the last day. Even the elect. So he will deceive many. Verse 6, You will hear wars and rumors of war, but you will see to it that... You will see it, but don't be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. How many wars and rumors of war do we hear on the news every day now? Chapter 7, nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All those are the beginning of birth pains. Birth pains come when when that lady is about to give birth to that child. for you moms who have had children, you you remember those pains. And I think the world is feeling those birth pains right now that Jesus is talking about. Verse 9 says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many is going to turn away from the faith. Just a few weeks ago was in Ohio when when a guy came into a a, a junior college and he made everybody get on the floor and he said if you're a Christian, stand up. And the ones who stood up he began to shoot and kill them. See, See, people had a choice at that moment to say I don't know Jesus. They're looking at the person right beside them and they're dead. But Student after student after student stood up and said yeah I'm a Christian I'm a Christian and I'm willing to die they're in the presence of the Lord the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord I had to stop and ask myself sometimes you know there's times in my life when I'm saying you know if I was in this situation this is exactly what I do and then when I get into that situation it's like I didn't always do exactly what I thought it would, but I can tell you, since I lived my life in such a way in my younger years and have come to Christ in a more mature, I don't think I would have a problem with standing up and saying, "This is my faith too. And if God wants me now, He'll take me now. and if he don't, he's going to leave me here to do some more ministry and to do what, he, what He's called me to do. But I, I know I'm ready. And the answer and the question is we all have to ask ourselves, am I ready? Am I ready? Okay. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. In Verse 12, because of the, the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Let's go to skip down to verse 32. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know the summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. 36 says, but about that day... Or our, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father. See, that's what Jesus said. I want to back up just a minute where it says in um, 34. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. In 1948, Israel became a nation again. Their symbol is the fig tree. That's on their stationaries and stuff. And it says, this generation will not pass. What did he say? Now learn this lesson from the tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves are out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it's near. It's right at the door. A generation in Scripture, from what I've learned, is 40 to 100 years. 48, 2015. There's not too far away from where we are today. If that's what the Scripture is truly saying. I'm not saying it is. I don't know if it is. But... All of these signs that he's talked about, we're, they're, they're, when I grew up, we didn't see this thing. We, there weren't even like a, one volcano in the world that was active when I was a child. Now they're all over the world. There's all kinds of things happening. So when the world ends, do Christians and non-Christians face the same judgment from God? That's the question. Well, let's take a look at what, what would God's judgment look like? When when the judgment happens, let's let's take a look at what it really looks like, and that'll help us answer this question. So when we step into eternity, there's not going to be one judgment, but there's going to be two judgments, according to Scripture. The first one is going to be a judgment for the Christians, and that's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And we can read about that in 2 Corinthians 5.10, and it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 it says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Paul is saying, I laid the foundation for your for your witness, for you to look at, for you to, to come at. And someone else is building on it. He said, I laid the foundation, but someone else is building on it. He laid the foundation and we are building on what he set up for the church. He traveled all over the world setting up and planting churches. Synergy is a, is a call by God, church planted in a time and a place that God has called it to. And I can tell you assuredly that Satan hates what's going on in, in this plant right here. He wants to destroy it, he wants us to be pulled apart, he wants us to get tired, he wants us to get weary and drift away. But see, that's not what God's plan. He wants us to build on what He's already set before us. And let's build on top of it. He has a plan in Winder, Georgia. If He didn't, we wouldn't be here. It's not been easy. I'm sure it's got to be discouraging to our pastors sometimes to see how it bloomed and grew so fast and all of a sudden it's kind of shrinking down. But see, to me... That's not necessarily a bad thing because I think sometimes when when, when the lawn uh, is going and you get so busy and you don't have time, you're doing so many other things, you don't have time to to, to really weed it out and do the flower beds. You get the grass cut, but you don't have time. Sometimes there has to be this weeding out process to see who are the called and who are the chosen, because see Scripture says that many is called, but only a few are chosen. But if you look at that chosen word there it basically breaks down that the ones that answer the call are the ones that are chosen god puts the call out to many but a few decide that they want what god wants and a lot decide they want what the world wants they don't have the time the tenacity the desire or the drive many times to do what god has called us to do okay For no one, in verse 11, for no one will lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ laid it. He's used Paul. He's used disciple. He's used over the thousands of years. He's laid this foundation up, and we just continue to build, build, build. And the more we build on the solid foundation, the stronger we're going to be. Okay? Then in verse 12, Paul breaks down into two categories of works. Number one, he says, gold silver, and costly stones. Well, let me just go ahead and read it. If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to, to light. It will be re- revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of, of each person's work. So he, he categorized it out here. Number one, he says that there's the gold, silver, and costly stones. And when they're put into the fire, they're just going to become stronger, more better, more pure. And then the second category, he talks about the way, the, 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 uh, the wood, the hay, and the stubble. And you know what happens when we put that in a fire. It's just going to be burnt to ashes. And so when we stand at that judgment seat of Christ, he says it's going to put fire to our works. Let's go ahead and um, look at 13. Their work will be shown for what it is on that day when it brings to light. It will be revealed revealed with fire and the fire will test the work. In verse 13, did you notice, if you look, I'm sure it doesn't, in in the scripture there you see on your board. In 13 it says, day. Because the day, the day will bring it to light. That word day is capitalized. The reason it's capitalized is because it's speaking of the judgment. But not only the judgment, but the quality of the works is going to be tested by Jesus. Jesus is going to be our judge when we stand before that judgment that day. And it says he's going to put fire to our works. Okay, Verse 14 there says, If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. So here in 14, there will be levels of rewards in heaven it's talking about. What are those rewards? Let's go on. What are those rewards? Let's take a look. 15 says, if it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but he will be saved. If your works are burnt up in the fire, if you got the, the, the wood, the hay, and the stubble, if it's burnt up, you're going to suffer loss with your, 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 your works and your rewards. But it says that you will, you will survive. You will be saved. You're still saved. And it says, even though only some were escaping through the flames, you know, they're just barely making it from hell and stepping into eternity in heaven. Let's look at Romans 8, It says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we know that when we get to heaven, we're not going to be condemned for what we've done. We're not going to be condemned for, you know, we were an A Christian, a B Christian, a C or a D or mm, the F probably not going to make it. They're probably, the, you know, failing grade. Okay. So we're not going to be condemned when we stand before Jesus, but we will be judged And that's the important thing you realize, that we're going to be judged. Jesus will will judge us on our motives. What are our motives as a Christian? Why why are we a Christian? Why do we call ourselves a Christian? Earlier earlier we read in 1 Corinthians 3.10 that by the grace God has given me. See, everything we have... God has given to us. We don't have anything. We can't make anything, do anything. Everything we've earned, made, worked for has been given to us by God. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in anything except divine appointments. God allows us to have things and to grow things. And the reason he gives us things is not just for us to have enjoyment and pleasure, but that is part of it. But it is to grow his kingdom. It is to grow his kingdom. That's what we're here for. A holy God, he gave everything to us. And since he gave it to us, we are responsible for how we handle what he gave to us. And that's where we're going to be judged. When, what do we do with what he gave us? We're going to be held accountable for all those things, okay? So we need to look at three things God has given us that we're going to be judged on. Number one, we're going to be judged on our time. God gives us time. So we all have 24 hours in a day. I could have broke it down in a second, guess I've heard it before. I don't remember what it is. well well, you know I just don't have time for that everybody's got the same 24 hours given by God sometimes I waste it sometimes I'm stressed out because I whatever how we handle our time we're going to be judged for number two our money Uh oh there you go again why is it that every time in church that the the word money is brought up people just go into a paranoid state and like that's all they do why is it we can spend money for everything God gives us, for everything else, but when it comes to his kingdom, we want to be stingy with it? Because what God says, that when you give to his kingdom, that he's going to bless you and grow you. But hey, he gives us money, right? We said nothing we have, we have except that God gave it to us. We're going to be accountable for our money. For every single penny that we spend in this life, we're going to give an account. The third thing is we're going to be Our motives, we're going to be looked at. We're going to stand for accountability. It's our gifting. See, every single person who is a Christian who has come and given their life to Christ, they have a gift. At least a gift. One gift. Some people have many gifts. And some people don't even know what their gift is. And if you don't know what your gift is, it's time as a Christian to start asking God, what is my gift? Most of the time, you're already flowing in your gift. You just don't realize it. But if you don't know what your gift is, if you don't start serving, you're probably never going to figure out what your gift is because God gave you a gift to serve the church, to build up the body of Christ, to build up each other, okay? Every single person we ha- has got to come in and begin to serve. So if you don't know what your gift is, you can discover it by getting involved, okay? We've got pl- if you just look on the back of your connection cards, there's plenty of opportunities for you to get involved, here, and as you go through these doors to your work, to your, your 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 ball games, everywhere you go, you have an opportunity to use your gifts and talents. And there's a whole list of those in the scripture. So God's called us to be uh, spectators, or re- really, I mean, we got it backwards. God has called us not to be spectators in this life, but to be participators. That's what God wants us to be, is to be participators in his kingdom. And building on this foundation building the church, building the community building a reputation as a church that we're givers, that we're lovers that we, we care about people we want you to come, we want to help you grow we want to help you get through life we want to get you through your crisis we want to help you strengthen we want to teach you how to grow okay, so let's look at for the non, non-Christians they're, they're going to go through what's called the white throne the great white throne judgment and if you don't know Christ He's going to be the judge there too. Revelations 20, 11 through 15 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. See, there's going to be books, many books that's got The sins of the people who are lost, who have never come to Jesus. But there's one book that's going to have the book of life, which has the names of all of those. So there's books that's carrying those people who were lost. Books, many books. But for the Christian, God only has one book to put those in. 13 says, the sea gave up the dead that were in it. The the death and haze gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and haze were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire was the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Let's go just a little bit farther. Go to Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow. And the road is which leads to life. And only a few will find it. See? If you're not a Christian today, you're on that wide road. You're on that wide road that's leading to destruction. And, and there's books that are being written for all of the people who are on this way. S- some of them are really good people. Some of them are, are great people. But they don't have Jesus in their life. And then, and then you've got the, the narrow road that leads to heaven. Destruction in heaven. And I think a lot of times people don't really get what the word repent means when we come to, to Christ. It, it's, a term, it, it, it's a term like soldiers who were in, in, in a drill. They're marching and the, their drill sergeant is calling them out. Up, two, three, four, up. about face. Usually that soldier plants one foot in the middle of that, turns straight around the opposite direction, 180 degrees. That's actually what repent means. It means you're on a road to destruction and God begins to knock on your heart's door. No man comes to the Father except what's called by the Spirit. And when he starts knocking on your door, you know that it's God. You know that there's something in there that God's trying to get your attention to. And he's wanting you to turn from that wide path that's leading to destruction. And he wants you to turn on this narrow path. Okay? So, if you're not a Christian today... One of these days, you're going to stand before a holy and awesome God, and you're going to go give an account of everything, okay? So the reason that the wrath of God falls on those who, who are followed, don't fall on Jesus is because when Jesus was on that cross, and he took the punishment for all our sins, we are covered from that wrath by the blood of Jesus Christ as a Christian. Those, like I say, some were good people have never been covered by the blood of Christ. They've never repented of their sins. They never realized that there is an awesome and mighty God who wants to use them and do things with them. But it's their decisions. I had a guy the other day I was talking to with and he was going through some tough stuff. And I told him, hey, you know what? What what you just need today? And we had talked several times. I said, what you need is just to reach out and grab hold of Jesus. And he says, I'm not good enough to go. And he was very ignorant. And I said, well, what do you think it would take to make you have a better day? And he said, if I could just die and go straight to hell. And I said, no, that's not what you want. You're not going to like it when you get to hell. And he said, well, it's my choice. It's my choice. And I agreed with him. You're exactly right. It is your choice. Definitely your choice. You know, you know, the most dangerous thing about hell is. I read there's a recent survey that said that that one half of 1% of Americans think they are not going to hell. Now didn't we just read the scripture that says many, many is going to go. There's many books even recording these people. One half of 1% think they're not going to hell, okay? Jesus said hell is, is going to be more crowded than heaven is. In Matthew seven thirteen, enter through the narrow gate. He said, enter through the narrow gate because many are going to go to destruction, but only a few here. Okay? So who are the ones who will be in the white thr- white, great white throne judgment? Here's four types of people who are going to be judged. Number one, the procrastinator. I know I need to get saved. I just got some things in my life I need to get done. I, I, one day I'm going to get saved. You don't know when your day's coming. Be ready. The coward. This is the person who, who knows the decision they need to make. They know about heaven. They know about hell. Well, you know, if I, nah, my friends, I don't, I, my friends won't hang out with me if I know Jesus. You know, I, I think my life will change. I don't, they're just a coward to make a decision. Then we got the prideful, well, you know what? I don't really need Jesus. I got my life down. I think I can run my life a whole lot better than Jesus. I don't really need Jesus. I got it all together. Who needs him? And then there's the church member. This is the one that stuns me the most. You know, you'll never find in scripture where it says there's a Catholic a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a Lutheran, a Pentecostal. You'll never find one one of those denominations listed in Scripture that says this denomination is going to go to heaven. Because God's not about denominations. He's about a person who receives him. Okay? According to Scripture, you can go to church your whole life. You can be a good person. You can listen to the right music. You can do everything right. But because you, you were in the right environment, but you don't have the right experience with God, you're going to miss out of heaven, and you're going to have the great white throne judgment, okay? So I'm going to ask you today, how long are you going to live your life that way? I'm asking you, do you know Jesus, okay? So what judgment will you face? What judgment will I face, okay? Someday... We're gonna stand before that God. There's gonna be one or two judgments that we're gonna stand for. One for the lost, one for the saved, okay? Will the judgment seat of Christ for the saved, or will it be the great white throne judgment for the lost? Will you that procrastinator, that coward? Will you one who who serves God, uses your talent, uses your gifts, and you're gonna stand before God? And you're going to be on that narrow path. Which is your judgment? Will you just close your eyes for a minute right now? Will you just take one second to search what your motives are? Why do you come to church? Because you meet people? Because, you know, it's Sunday. I just do my thing, you know. I don't have God... I don't really have time for God during the week. You know, my job, my family, I got so much stuff going on. But, you know, Sunday I'll come to church and check off the box. You know, I made it to church this Sunday, God. I did good. Thank you. But do you spend time with Him this week? Are you planning on spending time with Him the rest of this next week? If God looks at your checkbook, will He be proud of where you spent His money? Are you using your gifts and your talents that God gave you for His glory or for yours? Only one person can answer that question that's here today, and that's you in your life. God's already got the books. God already knows where you're at. He already knows your decisions in your heart. He already knows your motives. So with every eye and every head bowed right now, I'm going to ask you today, if you've never made that decision for Christ and you know that you don't have tomorrow or you might not, you might, you might but we don't know when our last day is going to be on this earth and you've never made a decision to serve Jesus Christ to give him, to make him the Lord of your life to make him your savior if you've never done that and you feel like you're hearing him knock on your heart's door Don't reject him. Because Scripture says that every time you reject God, that your heart gets a little harder and a little colder. And there will come a time when he'll stop knocking on your door. So I'm going to ask you, if you don't know Jesus but you like to, would you just raise your hand up? Just let God know that, hey, I'm answering you. I hear you, God. Anybody here today need to do that? I don't see any hands this morning. Awesome. That means we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. You can look up this way. That means that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We all know we're looking to that judgment seat of Christ. And that we're on this narrow road. There's there's a few people that's going. The tragic thing about being a Christian to me is that we know and we're saved and we're on our way to heaven. But our friends don't even know that we're there whenever we share them. Let's take the time and the opportunity to begin to, to, to use our gifts and talents, to begin to, to use the, the things that God has given us to reach out to our community, to reach out to our friends, to our workers. And it's hard. I can promise you. I can remember the day when God called me to preach, And I remember how introverted and shy I was. And I had to go start knocking on doors. And it scared me to death. And it's still scary sometimes. But because of his grace and his mercy and his love, he, he has changed and transformed my personality to a place that I couldn't even sit up here 20 years ago. And it's still scary when I get up here. And when it stops being scary, I'll never get up here again because I think if I get up here on my own, I'm not going to do very much good either. So, but thanks. I want to challenge you this week to begin to search your heart, to begin to search your motives for what God's got for you. Will you do that?